last month, um, we've been exploring meditation in general and the idea of the difference between self-awareness and self-regulation, that you can practice meditation as a methodology for, to better become aware of what's happening in your own mind, its thoughts and emotions. Okay. But a second dimension of meditation is also self-regulation, creating some shifts and changes in your moods and the types of thoughts and behaviors that you have. So by self-awareness, you mean becoming aware of just being aware of your thoughts of how your mind operates and by self-regulation you mean actually trying to change something in your body correct okay. so two kind of broad categories of meditation purpose yeah one of the primary methodologies for developing self-awareness is vipassana meditation which is where you simply allow your experience to happen and observe it without interfering. That's one where you just sit and You just sit observe. and you try and attend to what's happening in your thoughts and your sensations and your emotions and your body and your mind. And try not to interfere, but also not check out. You're attentive to what's happening, but not controlling it. Is that the one where if your back starts to itch, you're not supposed to scratch it? Exactly. Okay. You just notice the experience of it and you sit with it. Um, it's the simplest and most basic form of meditation. And I don't just, think it's simple to not itch or itch. I, I found that very hard to do. Just by definition, it's uh, about self-awareness. What I explored in the previous blog was the idea that that technique, which was first introduced as a method for self-awareness, is also a very effective method for self-regulation. And it's under the principle that giving space to your mind and your experience, being in an internal position of observing without trying to control, gives space to your experience in a way that the mind itself begins to unwind. So what starts off as self-awareness becomes a way to self-regulate. Exactly. Got it. It is itself a methodology for self-regulation and an incredibly effective one. It also gives insight into the structure of how our minds work, this idea that we're in relation to something, that one dimension of ourselves can observe another process of ourselves, the thoughts and the emotions and sensations as they come up, which without meditative experience, at first glance appears to be a singular identity or system. So doing this meditation allows you to do two things at once, to have the thoughts and also observe the thoughts. Correct. So you develop self-awareness of just how your mind works. Part of that self-awareness is acknowledging that there are a range of minds that exist within you. And in this instance, one that can intentionally observe and pay attention to things, and another that is the content of thoughts, emotions, and sensations themselves. Which just goes wherever it wants. Correct. Thoughts appear on their own and disappear on their own. We're not generally creating them. They have their own life and dimensionality to them. So what are the new points for this month? So the new points are recognizing that that strategy of Vipassana, of allowing the mind to operate on its own and observe, is not the only tool in the meditation toolkit. And that there are other techniques that do offer more direct ways of regulating our state. Yeah. Um, as a Kundalini Yogi, 
Kundalini Yoga itself is a essentially a huge compendium for doing that. And the, right, there's like a million kriyas that you can do. There are hundreds and probably thousands of kriyas or meditation practices that you can do. And the primary elements of them are breathing, sound or mantra, right. posture, focusing your eyes in different areas. And movement, because it's not just posture, you move in kundalini yoga. Sometimes. So kundalini yoga has different dimensions to it. And in truth, it's a singular thing under this rubric of kriya, which means action, or committed action. Uh, but when you take a fine tooth comb through it, some of those prakriyas appear more yogic, more dynamic and movement-based, and others appear more static, more meditation-based. Because um, a lot of people aren't familiar with the word kriya, but it's because it's a kundalini term. Kriya means an exercise. It literally means action. It means something that you do that's going to create some kind of outcome. And it's not limited to kundalini yoga. It's prevalent throughout yoga in general. Okay, so different Indian traditions might use that word. Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, Paramahansa Yogananda, the autobiography of a yogi and the self-realization fellowship, that practice is called Kriya Yoga, Kriya oh, Meditation. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's the same principle at play. All right. So part of what we want to do, so the, the first principle for this month is the idea that there are direct meditative techniques for trying to make adjustments to your state, to your mood and your mind, both immediately and over long-term practice, deeper adjustments to your, the way your mind works and your personality. What I wanted to dive into this month was breathing. Breathing is a specific technique for doing that. Like uh, pranayama. Like pranayama. Um, and the key understanding here is that the word and concepts for mind, energy, and breath are essentially one and the same in many traditions. The so word? The word. So there's an interchangeability very often. So I always thought prana meant breath. You're saying it also means mind and what was the other one? Prana means energy. Prana is life force or energy. Yama means to control. So pranayama uh, is the regulation of one's energy flow in parentheses, so it's not part of the word, through regulating your breath. And so that concept of pranayama highlights this idea that what equates to breathing techniques actually is energy regulation techniques, which actually is used to regulate your state of mind. So you regulate your mm -hmm. breath, you, you control your breath in order to control your mind. Exactly. And, and so when we think about the structure of our system, that breath and mind are two sides of the same coin. So when you are not regulating your breathing, the natural frequency and depth and rate and rhythm of your breath reflects the dynamics of what's happening in your mind in that moment. So the breath is kind of like a printout of the state of your mind. So simply by observing your breath, you can learn a lot about, about how what's anxious happening you are. in your mind, for instance. Because when you're really scared, you do that. We, we all do that, um, like fast, rapid breathing. And when I'm really calm in meditation, my breathing is so slow, sometimes it even stops. Exactly. Uh, and so... 
That's exactly the point. In fact, a lot of yoga is based on breathing ratios. So if you can, on average, we take 16 to 20 breaths a minute when we're not paying attention. When you begin to practice yoga, one of the aims is to slow your breathing down to eight breaths per minute. And if you can get down to that pacing, it's said that you can be in a much calmer, stress-free state. If you can cut that down even further to four breaths per minute, then that puts you in a meditative state. Mm. And so the frequency and depth of your breath correlates traditionally with different states of mood. I feel like the more I think about trying to breathe eight breaths a minute, the more anxious I get. It takes some practice. Uh, but once you learn the basics of how to regulate the practice, it's not, it, it's doable uh, because that single breath includes an inhalation and an exhalation. So if you're doing eight breaths per minute, what's the math on that? Don't ask me to do mental math. I need a pen and paper. Uh, 60 divided by eight. It's like seven something. Exactly. So that's, uh, and then cutting that in half, you're looking at inhaling for about three or four seconds, exhaling for about three or four seconds. Okay. And that's accessible. That's doable. So what's a, what's a good practice for, for us this month then? To well, I think to, to go a little further into this, this idea that you have, in theory, these two sides of the same coin. So your breath expresses your mind, not controlling your breath and observing your breath shows you and gives you information on the state of your mind in its natural state. But conversely, by regulating your breath because of that interconnection, you have a foothold for regulating your mind. Right. So changing how you breathe is a way to change how, the state of your mind. Correct. And thank goodness for it, because the fact of the matter is trying to regulate your mind directly is essentially an impossible task. It's a nice saying within yoga that trying to control your mind through your will or your mind itself is like trying to stop a hurricane through blowing at it. <laughs> um, just the force and intensity of how thoughts come and how our minds operate, you can't just intentionally still it. Um, and Which so, is why in Vipassana, you don't try to still it, you just watch it until it's, it calms down on its own. Exactly. But with this pranayama, you're not trying to control the mind, you're controlling your breath. But because they're connected, if you control the breath, you will control the mind. Exactly. And so it becomes this method. We have, it is possible to control your breathing with some practice and some training. Uh, and in turn, that gives you a foothold for indirectly regulating your mind. Awesome. So a good baseline practice, like a 101 beginner, and one of the keys is beginning to develop what's called belly breathing. And what that essentially means is that as you inhale, you want your abdomen to move away from your spine towards the wall in front of you if you're sitting up. You want your belly to get bigger. You want your belly to expand and get bigger. Yeah. So it's this quality that as you're inhaling, the breath is coming in through the nostrils and being drawn deep into your body to where your belly is so that the infusion of breath into the abdomen causes the abdomen to expand, which is not actually happening because what's technically happening is that your breathing is controlled by a flat dome-like muscle called the diaphragm, 
which sits right at the bottom of your rib cage. And so when you inhale properly, that dome flattens out, it presses down. And when you take a nice full breath and your lungs fill up, then that dome presses down enough to displace the organs of your abdomen, which then press out. That sounds wrong. <laughs> that sounds gross. <laughs> so. But it feels good. It feels good, especially when I lie down, when I do belly breathing, and I'm on my back to let my belly rise. Yeah, and so what you want to do to begin is you put your hands simply on your belly, and don't even think about breathing. Just notice when you inhale and intend to push your hand out with your belly as you inhale. As you exhale, let the abdomen relax and track the movement by observing the hand moving back in. So your hand is essentially a tracker to make sure your abdomen is moving appropriately as you breathe. So that's belly breathing. And that's called belly breathing. And most people breathe what's in a way that's called reverse breathing. That as you inhale, the chest tends to inflate and expand and the belly comes in. Yeah, people suck in their, their tummies. Uh, how, what's interesting is if you watch babies or infants breathe, they naturally do belly breathing. So learning doing this reverse breathing, this chest breathing, is actually a learned pattern that's generally based in stress and anxiety. And this breathing pattern maps onto your nervous system so that when you breathe in that chest out, belly in, inhalation, reverse breathing, you're sending a direct signal to your brain and your nervous system that there is stress. And it stimulates the sympathetic nervous system. So does that mean when... I'm feeling stressed, I can put my hand on my belly and do proper belly breathing where the belly goes out on the inhale and that will help reduce my stress? Exactly. It shows you both. So that when you're feeling anxious, if you tune into your breathing, I'm sure you will notice that you're doing reverse doing breathing. reverse breathing. So that's your indicator that you're anxious and under stress. And then if you re-regulate your breathing in a way to do deep belly breathing, then after three or five minutes, through the signal you're sending to your parasympathetic nervous system and through the increased oxygen and slowing pace that you're putting as a rhythm into your system, you will naturally calm down. Wonderful. So if belly breathing is 101, give us one more breathing meditation practice that's a little more advanced. So Since some people listening may already do belly breathing all the time. So once a, belly breathing is the foundational structure, and you need to start there because every other technique is built up on it, and it won't work if you're not doing belly breathing. If you continue to reverse breathe, then you're just using a technique to send a more powerful signal, signal to your sympathetic nervous system that you're stressed. But once you've mastered, or at least become familiar with belly breathing, then beginning to intentionally pace your breath becomes the next task. And so doing something where you're inhaling for five seconds and then perhaps holding or suspending your breath for five seconds and then exhaling for five seconds using a timer to time yourself would be your next step. You have to use a timer. You want to use a timer because you're ultimately aiming to be precise. 
this idea that your mind and your system work on rhythms and what you're aiming to do in this type of breathing is to create a stability of your focus and your attention. So I can't just mentally count to five on the inhale, count to five as I hold it, and count to five on the exhale? You want me to look at a timer? You could do that, and there are pluses and minuses to each. Obviously, if you have a timer, you're looking outside of yourself, and there's a slight distraction there, and that is a strike against it. On the other hand, the positive side of that is it's creating equalness, and we begin to take that seriously. Again, this idea that eight breaths per minute creates a certain state, four breaths per minute, what happens when you're inhaling consistently and, and exhaling consistently. So that consistency matters. With that said, with some practice, or if you want to try off the bat, doing it with your eyes closed and just counting, while slightly inconsistent, keeps you more internal. And that can be very helpful for some people. Yeah, I, li I like closing my eyes and just mentally counting because it takes me inward. But I assume you as a Virgo like to, <laughs> like to look at your timer and be precise. You're giving me the evil eye. <laughs> okay, so belly breathing and the time breathing. Yes. Inhale for five, hold for five, exhale for five. Inhale for five, hold for five, exhale for five. Now the holding, because I know that some people, when they start doing that holding of the breath, can get either anxious or dizzy. What do you recommend for that? So holding is actually the wrong language. Better language is breath suspension. And just like we need to redevelop our technique for just basic breathing. So we do belly breathing. We need to radically restructure our technique of breath suspension. There's a tendency when we think of holding the breath as a tightening. So you're taking in a breath and then we tighten or clamp down around it. When in fact what we're trying to do is cultivate the opposite. Breathing and meditation are fundamentally about cultivating space. So a proper breath suspension technique involves a nice deep belly breath inhalation. And then at the apex of that, the moment you would transition into an exhalation, you want to pause and very consciously relax your face, your throat, your chest, and ideally all of the muscles in your body so that you feel completely relaxed as though you were floating like a balloon in your own mind. And then you suspend that, in this case for five seconds, just in that way. And then when it's time to exhale, you exhale and let the breath naturally go as the belly naturally recoils. Okay. So, so, the, if, so if someone's getting dizzy or anxious, it's because they're tightening up. And so the practice is maybe you, can you start off, if you need to, by, by suspending for less than five? If you find yourself getting anxious? Absolutely. You know, it takes practice. Or even without the breath suspension, when people are unfamiliar with belly breathing, just the belly breathing can lead to some dizziness and some feeling a little bit anxious. Um, once you throw in the breath suspension, that adds another dimension of it, and that complication can do the same. So there are many reasons why that dizziness might happen. Over sustained breaths, most commonly that dizziness happens because of an imbalance between the amount of air that's taken in as you inhale and the amount of air that you're letting go as you exhale. Right, like hyperventilating. You're taking in too much and you're not letting out enough. Exactly, or vice versa. Sometimes you can 
take in less and let out too much. Okay. So those ba- those balances between oxygen and carbon dioxide within your blood chemistry affect your brain in various ways that when they're off, you start to feel a little dizzy or anxious. So does that mean we should use the timer so that we're accurate? <laughs> Ideally, but you know, again, it's over a kind of extended period of time. The second is that holding your breath, in suspending your breath in this way, does begin to shift your your blood chemistry and your brain chemistry, and that shift of mood can show up as a little bit of lightheadedness or dizziness. That can be normal, or that can be too much, and ultimately the rule of thumb is don't let it be too much. If you have any doubt or you're in question, just stop and pace yourself. Yeah. In the end, you're learning something new, your system is adapting to a new kind of technique, and it's much better to be conservative and consistent than too much and... Pass out. <laughs> pass out and not practice anymore. Okay. All right. So the homework for this month is belly breathing, especially when you notice if you're getting stressed or if you're feeling stressed. Check in and, and likely you're reverse breathing. And so you want to try to switch that to belly breathing. And then once you feel comfortable with the belly breathing, go to the next level and try the 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 timed breathing so in for five suspend for five exhale for five is that right exactly and it's all under this big category of self-regulation of how can we use meditative techniques in order to create positive change for ourselves and the most fundamental and accessible of those and in many ways effective is breathing techniques that deep belly breathing is the foundation for all breaths and I would argue because of its connection mental health in many ways Mm -hmm. and once you have that foundation then adjusting and playing with different frequencies breathing in for eight seconds for instance exhaling for eight seconds there there are many different ratios becomes your way of intentionally and consciously shifting gears as you need to do we need more energy do we need to calm down what is our need at the moment and how and can you we can change the breath to like change all those moods exactly so the breath becomes this complete toolkit for shifting mental and emotional gears on command so if you are like i just need more energy you can do a breathing practice to get more energy exactly and if you're stressed you can do belly breathing to calm down exactly okay so in general when we are aiming to calm down we're looking for stability. So we can think in terms of kind of three general categories of upregulation, downregulation, and stability, kind of a neutral position. So, so whenever like revving up the system, calming down the system, or keeping it the same. Stabilizing, exactly. And so when we're doing even breathing, like the one I'm recommending this month, that is in the stabilizing position. Now, for most people, we tend Does to Does that be mean it... it keeps you where you're at or does it mean that it brings you to a nice stable place it brings you to a nice stable place thanks for the correction and so for most people because on average due to a variety of modern circumstances most of us tend to be upregulated as our set point too hyper anxious hyper stressed unfocused then a stabilizing meditation feels like a calming meditation okay Um, But really what we're doing in a stabilizing one is creating a very focused, present state. Okay. And then if if that should be our normal, what does a down-regulating breathing practice bring us to? A deep meditative state? It can bring you to a a, a deeper... A much deeper. Exactly. Right. 
something that so it's something we might do before we go to sleep it's a way to kind of release the mind and slow down the system and at different points in our lives we need different versions of this and so part of the power the real power and practicality of yoga and meditation are being able to have these toolkits and the self-awareness so that you can apply them on an as-needed basis through the range of demands that are put on us. It's like having an instant mental health uh, remote control at your fingertips. Exactly. Self-regulation. Well, this was great. Thank you. Thank you. So practice.